Hello, and welcome to Speaking Generally, the podcast of the new decade. From rulers of history, such as Napoleon, Alexander the Great, or Cleopatra, to captains of industry, like John D. Rockefeller and Elon Musk, or fictional characters, like Macbeth, Cersei Lannister, and Kanye West, our culture and history has always been replete with examples of the glories and follies of ambition. Ambition, in its many forms, manifests our desires for both earthly pleasure, success, power, riches, sex, and glory, and our longing for enduring notoriety, making a mark, living on in the hearts of others, changing the world, making a difference. But is ambition a desirable trait? What may be the cause of great deeds may also be the cause of great suffering in the name of pursuit of one's own ends. Does ambition corrupt and inevitably stem from greed? Or is it a sign of a self-actualized individual who seeks to rise above his own circumstances and use her precious time on this earth to better herself and those she loves? Here with me, as ever, to wrestle the minotaur of human emotional turmoil with the burly biceps of learned conversation is my co-host and friend, Mr. George Taylor. Hello, George. Maybe next time you should write an intro. Yeah, I shouldn't do them off the cuff like that. It's uh, a bit too freewheeling. Um, we're back. We're back to the written intros, George. We got a new name. I thought let's. Well, you know, it's the fr- still January, isn't it? We'll try it. There'll be some effort. There'll be sort of a semblance of construction and effort behind it, and then come end of March, it'll be. Oh, should we just have a chat about what we did last week? Right, right. So this yeah. is the this is the best it gets, folks. <laughs> Let's make the most of it. Um, what do you think of that, George? Does that get you thinking? That intro. Uh, oh, there's there's plenty to wrestle with, Steve. The big names in there: Napoleon, Elon, Macbeth. Yeah. West. West. Yeah. Um, I mean, most of the the kind of aspects of of the trait that you rattled off sounded like the titles of Kanye songs. They're like power, greed, last sex. I think they're all on dark twisted fantasy. Good point. Um, um, yeah, well, you so, said, Steve, you said, is it a desirable trait? And I wonder if your framing of that is in yourself, in oneself or in others as a little jumping off point. Um, what would those be distinct from each other? Would you, as in, you would, you know, is ambition a desirable trait to look for in some, you know, are you talking about cultivating it within yourself? Is that a desirable thing to do? Or do you mean, you know, it's, you look for a partner with that trait. They don't, I don't think they overlap. Um, uh, Yeah, I think, I think both. I think looking for, you know, I think the question of, is it something you should, you know, you should let lead you in your life and foster, or is it something you should see as, uh, something to be overcome or something that can lead you in a bad direction. And yeah, the same, like, how do you feel when you see other, I think, I think some people have a probably a contradictory feeling towards ambition where they cultivate it in themselves, but sometimes are repelled by it. And other people, if they see it, you know, that this is something we can get into, but it's one of those things where we, sometimes people strategically conceal it for reasons that it can seem too vulgar to reveal how ambitious you actually are or the true extent of, yeah, whatever it is, the, uh, the lofty goals you have. So I think, uh, I think it's interesting to reflect, is it actually desirable and are there, you know, does it kind of overcome our nobler motives? Um, do you have well, like a, an, there's an un- underlying current of competition that comes with it as well. Right. So like you say, the hiding of it, you're either hiding it for fear of vulgarity or it, you're going to come to a head with someone else who's maybe competing or ambitious about similar things. Right. Exactly. If you, if you're very ambitious, there's a, there's a kind of strategic chess match in that you might not want other people to be too ambitious with you because you want to outcompete them. So well, some yeah, people, especially if you're ambitious, it, you know, or if you and I both want a book deal and we both go to the same publisher, right. one of us probably won't get it right. So, you know, I guess a lot of actors probably go through that where they make, you know, they've all got big dreams. They make close friends with the other people on the casting couch, but then one of them ends up kind of crapping on the other. Um, uh, yeah, that's true. Well, I'm, I'm right now I'm back in Hollywood, George, the home of, <laughs> A home of the very ambitious and avaricious. So uh, become a star. 
Yeah, and and there's lots of that actually. It's um, no matter no matter what you know, there's there's so many people in this city that do move here from other parts of America and the world because they they do have big dreams and some but some in some ways there is a thing where it's also not cool or it's too it's too grotesque to admit the extent that I moved to LA to get famous uh, because really I basically I knew this was my best shot of being recognized and being famous and um so there is a lot of that and uh, people take all kinds of strange you know roundabout routes to it but um but yeah I I do think you know, I brought this to the table because I think it's something that I've always puzzled with as to the benefits and costs of it in my own life and in anyone's life. And I think I think I grew up in a, you know, we both grew up in fairly sort of aspirational middle class families, I'd say, to some extent. We, we uh, you know, um, my parents came from quite a working class background, uh, tried very hard to sort of, you know, get out of that into a different sort of social class, I guess, in some ways, or, or at least be able to have things that they didn't have when they were younger. They grew up fairly poor and were able to raise us better. And when you look at ambition in all those lights, it's very easy to actually glorify it and see it as a kind of, you know, it shows all these great things like industriousness and it shows you're aspiring to something and you're aspiring to more than you were born with. And there's some kind of, you know, that old, Calvinist, almost American uh, ethic, right? The Max Weber talked about the Protestant work ethic and how he saw that as the the birth of American capitalism in that ethic. And there's um, you you can see that as all kind of wanting to provide better for those around you. Many people who are ambitious always talk about, well, I can buy a house for my mom. I can do these things. I can take care of people. Okay, maybe that's a smokescreen and that's the noble story people tell themselves. And actually they just want to be rich and famous and sexy, but, but lots of people do aspire to provide a better life. And there's something in that, but there's also this thing of if someone seems their actions are too motivated by just some kind of naked will to power, will to just have more and more, it, um, well, not only is it unpleasant to see, but it's also, I think if ambition looms too large, I guess the thing is you're either, you either become hubristic and start, you know, doing the Icarus thing of sort of your reach exceeding your grasp and setting yourself up for a big fall, or you kind of, it smothers all your better virtues and you start doing, I don't know, nefarious or unkind things just in the name of getting ahead, right? And I guess that's why we're repelled by it in other people is it's a, it's a trait that's almost antisocial in a way. It's not a community-based trait. It's a very individualistic thing, right? Yeah, that is definitely true. I think what's interesting is I don't associate the word as kind of stripped of any other connotations that can be as being particularly negative or pejorative. I see the word ambition as quite a positive word i guess because it's about striving and looking forward uh but the kind of high language that you're using to talk about the the trait and then the examples of the people that we've brought forward are kind of insanely unrelatable right like how many yeah like how many people like napoleon do you meet when we talk about his ambition you know you're talking about oh uh should i apply to you know, just the local university or should I apply to Oxford, right? Like that's, it's still within kind of the normal bounds of like day-to-day life. Whereas I'm going to conquer the world. It Like there's a different level of craziness that comes with that, like avarice and hubris and just general like megalomaniacal drive that doesn't really show up in that many people. I would say that's a real like small percentage group compounded by circumstance whereas day-to-day that kind of if napoleon walked in the room he's strutting around you wouldn't go oh so vulgar and uncouth you you know whereas that would be more or i'm gonna buy a big house and a big car and talk about it that would be vulgar and uncouth right it's like a different there's kind of different strata to this this level of ambition and i think it's tied up for me i think those different levels have different responses i think just that better bettering and leveling up, I think, is generally 
probably a positive i think the the higher up you know that upper echelon of kind of crazy historical figures is almost unrelatably insane um yeah i I don't really know what to say about those people yeah i mean i mean i guess they're they've become you know obviously many of them are real but they've also the, the subject of these almost myths and tragedies right like shakespeare's macbeth is sort of the archetype of you know greed and lust for just power uh kind of corrupting a a good man essentially and making him do these terrible things and in a way Macbeth is just a kind of terrible warning as to where that can lead um and uh I get uh, yeah but I, I think it I think you can narrow it to the smaller scale at least in like you say like I, I think there are distinctions right there is the like what you're saying on a small scale the the ambition to better oneself or to even just say live at the edge of your potential, right? Just Mm -hmm. to kind of stretch like, okay, where's my potential? And actually I want to have a very short life and what, how far can I push my own talents, my own achievements? There, there is something uh, I think very inspiring about that. And, you know, I mean, arguably you can say like, there's a social good in that, right? Like lots of individual achievements, even if they come out of a selfish motive, can produce amazing inventions, technologies, companies, whatever they be, uh, communities that huge amounts of people benefit from. So it can have kind of good spillover effects. Um, But I guess, I guess maybe people wouldn't, would, when people think of ambition, you know, I'm thinking like, let's go back to like dating or something like that. People do, people are attracted to people with aspiration and yeah. I think it's much more attractive at least than someone with no aspiration. And a lot of things people complain about might often be, you know, my boyfriend's really unmotivated and yeah, sits and plays video games them. and yeah. doesn't seem to want anything more. And I want something better for our lives. And that, that, so it definitely is a kind of trait we enjoy in people when they inspire us. But I suppose, I suppose, I, d- I don't know. I think a lot of people do have, yeah, I don't know. I think some people view ambition as as negative because especially, you know, we're not <laughs> we're English, so you know, in England there's a strange relationship with being too open about your having big life goals or having that's big the openness. Dreams. People don't I don't think people begrudge I I don't think there's any sort of cultural begrudging of someone trying to better themselves. There would be a begrudging about them talking about it or or ramming it down someone else's throat you know or being quote unquote vulgar about the financial changes that's made to their life but someone said though but but would it be different if someone said i i want to be a millionaire versus they said i want to build this amazing company i want to build this app that i think is going to help people get healthcare they need or something that like one might lead to riches or something but if you say I want a million pounds, it sounds vulgar. Well, but of course, of course, it does because it doesn't come with anything other than a set. It's not that's not ambition, is it? Really, that's I would say more like like greed, or greed, oh, greed dressed yeah. up in kind of new age like um, entrepreneurial <laughs> speak, right? It's right. It, it, that doesn't kind of bespeak a level of of personal development or helping other people or anything like that. It's just. I, I've kind of picked this arbitrary number out of the air. It's like, well, it, it depends who's saying that as well, right? If it's if you've kind of got the means to make that happen or the mechanisms to make that happen, kind of cool and pursue it. But if it's just pulled out of nothing with no ability to do it, whereas if someone says, you know what, I'm going to turn my ability to be a great coder into this app that's going to change everyone's lives and help healthcare get developed to people. And if the byproduct is that they're also financially rewarded for doing so, that ambition kind of shows a channeling of skills and, you know, plenty of different things rather than just, that's like the worst kind of Instagram ambition, right? I'm going to be a millionaire. (laughs) Or it'd be like, I want to have a billion dollar startup or something like that. Yeah. Well, if you've got an idea, great. But like you want to develop a startup that's worth, (laughs) there's something different with approaching it from developing the thing and being ambitious about building the thing rather than achieving what that thing could be worth in of itself. 
Yeah, it's, I, I think we, we find it crude and obnoxious, I guess, if someone plucks the result and seems to... It's like saying, right? It's like saying, I want to be famous. It, it's Yeah, like, exactly that. It's yeah. an embarrassing goal because it just means what you're saying is, I don't care why, but I want people to fawn over me and yeah. recognize me. And but if you say, I, I wrote these 20 songs and you know what? They're really good and all the feedback I've had has been great and I love playing music in front of people. I want to get them out there the byproduct is you will become famous that it's just the way you frame what we're really talking about here is how other people perceive people's aspirations or ambitions right and like there's nothing wrong with the ambition it's how you're presenting it to other people that would cause other people to respond negatively right but then are we all just kind of hypocrites if we is there like we use these elaborate signaling to hide our ambition under noble sort of pretenses and sort of I don't I don't think I don't think that that's the case I think it's more just your your um you're kind of quantifying the value that you will be adding in the process because like you said um if it's a byproduct it doesn't really matter it's just that the kind of brazen I think my issue with with someone saying I want to make a million pounds isn't that someone's going to have a million pounds it's just if they don't have any dressing around it right if it's just I want to be famous well, I but, think it it then it then says lots of negative quality. It says that someone's perhaps soulless or fo- solely materialistic or has no uh, more depth to them than simply wanting to acquire more. Well, stuff. yeah, exactly. And if someone does it through, oh, they became a musician, I might enjoy their music, or I might use that billion dollar app right to gain something for myself. But if they just, I want to be a millionaire, and then tomorrow they win the lottery, it doesn't really. Ch- <laughs> If they're an ambitious person, they can't then, oh, tick, ambition completed. They're not going to stop, right? If you're like a driven, goal-getting person and your yeah. goal is, I want to make loads of money, it's surely, a, I think it's the process rather yeah. than, because if they won the lottery tomorrow, they wouldn't go, oh, that's that done, you know? Right. Um, what you t- I assume you would see from like business-minded people is they would have a successful business and start another one. So that's more of a a kind of deeper rooted trait. I think the thing that we're crossing over here is more how people perceive it rather than the the trait itself. Uh, Perhaps. Yeah. Actually, there's a word, there's a word you said there driven that uh, the word driven, I I think actually is a kind of nice contrast because if you, if someone said, well, I think we're very attracted to driven people and people who seem to be, you know, there's lots, if you're just even looking from a biological perspective, right, there's a lot of positive things it says about someone. If they're driven, it means they're effective. It means they're likely to be able to achieve the ends they set out to be. Might mean they're going to be a good partner, right? Because it means that they're, they're probably actually good at following through all these kind of things. It says a lot of good social traits about them, but like being driven to say, you know, let's say you're a dentist um, and you, your drive is just you're really, really passionate and dedicated to your job and you spend a lot of time learning how to be better at it, how to refine it. But you might not be terribly ambitious in that you're not saying I'm going to set up this enormous practice uh, and do the cutting edge dentistry and all this, you know, kind of huge lofty dreams, but you might just be extremely driven at pursuing that. But there is some distinction between those two, I think. And I think, uh, I'm not sure. There is. I think there is, but it's sort of like, so, why, who is it for you to say what? Who's it for me to say what? Well, yeah, what like why, why do you get to define what the, the metric is by which their drive and ambition are measured? I suppose it's trying to tease out what makes it ambition as opposed to some just dedication. Right. Because, like, you know, you see, we see like when we've talked to before about like real kind of like nerdy, geeky people with like, I'm going to be the best person in the world at doing a Rubik's Cube, right? Like it's, it's on a very small, narrow-minded field, but you'd have to be very ambitious to achieve that. You'd have to be very driven to do it, but it doesn't have any kind of wider byproduct. Well, but you'd have to be driven, but you might go, you might say that's a very unambitious goal. To be really, really good at Rubik's cube. No, so, so what I'm asking, so what I'm asking though is not very ambitious. But what I'm asking is why, by what metric do you define what ambition is? Then does it have to be something that impacts loads of people? That you know, it was very ambitious for you to do a PhD, right? But yeah. I mean, who does that like? <laughs> who's read it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the process in of itself is a very ambitious thing to take on. So it's like 
who who gets to define is it what why is napoleon and elon musk because they're they're more famous they've impacted more people i don't know what the thing is that quantifies how successful an ambition is yeah that's a good point i think i i suppose if i was thinking of like sort of just a day-to-day layman's perspective i think i think people would associate it with some kind of expansive some vision of like uh some sense of worldly success or achievement or fame or money. Like they, they think of it as like the scale is, it has somehow important to thinking, Oh, he's ambitious. Like right. I think people would think, Oh, he's thinking on a scale where he's going to impact a lot of people. I'm not saying he's going to rule France like Napoleon, but I'm saying <laughs> they think of it as a scale thing. Like I'm going to, I'm going to move to London and get this, uh, start this, big company and get you know you know something like that that just seems to uh have a vision of scale but but yeah i, it's, I quite I, enjoy I, that most of our content comes from the fact that we we've never been able to really define <laughs> the topic that we're talking about we're just talking about what the topic is about rather than the content yeah, itself that, that's that's the beauty george that's what, did you, it, what did you mean by that we're wrestling with philosophy right now well, so something, a note I'd made at the top of my, my hastily scribbled notes, Dave, was that like my feeling to that word, just the word ambition, is generally quite a positive response. I don't have a particularly negative response to it. But hmm. when, for you, can you think of an example in your own life when ambition in of itself has been bad for you? Ah, oh, well, that's good because I wanted to come to that. I think it, you know on an individual level, what does it do for you? And that's kind of is why I brought this topic to the table is I, I think there, you know, ambition. So, so for me personally, I have always been, was instilled with a lot of ambition by my dad is very driven. My parents were very like push me to succeed academically. The idea was that then I would go to a very good university and get a very good job and, you know, my dad was always someone who started businesses and things. And he was very, you know, he, he, he was always trying to think bigger and bigger. So had this kind of idea, like you should, you need, you should think bigger, you should have big goals and, you know, you can do this, you can whatever, do anything you want. And that obviously did instill me like at one age, I thought like, I want to be prime minister. Um, at one age, I thought was I want to 31. <laughs> yeah. no, that that dream is gone um thankfully but uh yeah i thought yeah i want to be prime minister it's just like whatever the big biggest sort of important thing was and it was like i want to be a big important powerful lawyer i want to have like big business and stuff but it wasn't often this is something you just go through anyway as you grow up but those goals were often not really based on the things i actually like to do and they weren't really based on, they weren't really passion based. They were just based on some kind of idea of success that was in my head with some template of that will equate. I've lived a successful life. If I go into politics, become an MP, become prime minister. Um, I don't think it's not anything wrong with that per se, but I think a, it can lead you to, it can lead you down cul-de-sacs, like took the wrong path for a while where you're stumbling, you think you want something and you actually, if you stop and interrogate it enough, you realize I don't actually, this wouldn't make me happy. This would just be pursuit for its own sake of some vision of success I've been given. So I think that, and at times that's, that's led me astray. I think at times that's just led me. Yeah. It's just led me to pursue things that were probably not a good use of my time. Uh, not didn't play to my strengths either. Um, so that's one area where I think there's been, a, there can be a slight cost. Um, other thing in my own life, what I was thinking about is what ambition does to just general day to day satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's times where I've wanted to achieve big things. I remember, you know, wanting to write a book that I did with my brother, um, PhD, you know, certain things like that. And there is this sense of, um, it can just be incredibly stressful to be ambitious all the time. It can, and it can, at its worst, it can lead you day to day to thinking, deferring happiness, basically. And thinking I'm not allowed to be happy or relax until I've achieved all these things. And of course, some of those things may take you a decade or a lifetime to achieve. 
And, you know, suppose I had a goal of, you know, I, I like writing. It's something I'm passionate about, enjoy. You know, if I said I want to be a number one New York Times bestseller and that's my ambition, that would, again, that's just a result-based one, right? It's not mm. like I want to write a great novel. But if I had that, it might just day-to-day color everything I do as being like I'm inadequate until yeah. I become that. And I'm not saying I've had a goal like that before, but I've had goals where, it's led me to just feel like I'm not, I'm not good enough or successful enough until this happens. And I have to kind of put off relaxing or feeling pleasure or enjoying things in the pursuit of this goal. And I think that's not a great thing. Yeah, so it, can it can definitely take you out of the moment, right? Like you're living for the future, but, oh. But if you don't enjoy the process at the same time, I think the writing one's a bit of an interesting example because if, you know, writing is the thing that kind of energizes you and you get a big kick from, even if you don't achieve that very kind of arbitrary lofty target, you're still day-to-day doing the thing that makes you happy, right? But if your ambition is slightly slightly misplaced or your mum gave you piano lessons from day one and I'm going to be a concert pianist, but really you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You are really kind of deferring all current happiness at the expense of a future happiness that you're not being energized by the process of as well. So it's like a double, a double lose, right? Yeah. And I I think that's the thing I've had to try and reconcile, you know, throughout my twenties, that was something I struggled with going between wanting to actually enjoy the things I was doing, experience the moment, and also thinking I've got all these big goals and dreams and I need to do them. And so it was reconciling them with like, how do I just, how do I have big goals and actually just enjoy day-to-day process of doing things anyway? So sometimes I did think maybe it's better not to have goals. Like maybe it's better to, I think I saw an interview with Stephen Fry even where he thought that goals are actually a negative thing because they do just lead you to feeling miserable and then you achieve the goal Mm. and you realize the goal didn't actually make you that happy anyway. And you have this other thing of thinking, Oh, I achieved my goal. And now what? And so he thought goals were not a good thing to have and and said he's never had them. And, uh, you know, and you could just say you shouldn't have goals. You should just, you should be very industrious and work hard and be productive and all those things, but you should just, kind of the results will be the results whatever they are and you but should people will be i think people can often have a real dilemma with that i i kind of agree with your point but it's like well where do you apply the industriousness and you you can't just be industrious with no you know direction of application direction. so that uh, as much as i kind of know what he's saying and agree with what he's saying he's had a like a fairly charmed career and life where it's been successful from pretty much the age of 17 when he came out of prison you know so um it's kind of things do come to you but if if you're in a in i don't know dire straits or slightly more difficult circumstances you kind of need something it's like swimming for the next lifeboat or whatever you need something to aim at to apply that you know it's very hard to just be broad open i'm just going to work really hard you kind of need need measurable steps to follow yeah and and i i guess the micro step is something like you could you can start with what you're good at and mm. look at how you can apply you know okay what's the general field where my skills are best used and maybe i'll start there and see how that works and yeah, you, you need something to give you a compass and something to go towards. But um, but I, do, I, I think naturally ambitious, I think some people are just naturally ambitious in that whatever they turn their hand to, they'll eventually start thinking like, well, maybe I can get to this level. You know, I know anything I do work-wise always leads to me thinking at least like, how can we like take this further or the next step? How can I make this big? Like that's just the way my natural brain has been taught to work so i'm often trying to think well how do i do this bigger next year how do i achieve more how do i and 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 i don't get me wrong i think that's been a very overall net net that's been a very positive thing for my life because it's taught me to not i would probably be much more naturally lazy i have an inclination towards being lazy anyway but i think it's it keeps me driven is just that that kind of fire um but it can have you know, at a micro level, it can have downsides and it, 
uh, it can just lead you to wondering why you're doing all these things and what you're doing them for. So in some ways it's made me center more back on making sure the work I'm doing is actually things that I'm passionate and proud of. And that's usually the best thing. Usually the best thing is looking back on work that I stay proud of one, two, five years later. Yeah. And that, that's like, you know, having done that book and looking back and being happy with it and it still sells and stuff and like st- stuff like that gives me a big sense of pride and confidence. And, and that's are you, like, are you seeing the word like ambition here? Are you, I get the impression you're seeing it primarily like 75% through a kind of work and career prism. Um, I suppose some kind of success prism. Um, because the, re- the reason I say that is, uh, and I think that's why I brought up like the issue of kind of externally who gets to judge or define what ambition is because I, someone I know that I was, I was speaking to about their kind of career development, they're at a stage where they're um, been working very hard in law under a position where they, they're in, about to start like a very kind of high power, high pressure corporate legal role um, that, by any kind of external metric, you would say that's a very ambitious and like successful pathway to follow in that career. And they're kind of in the two minds of, Oh, do do I do that? Or do I kind of work out that, that work-life balance thing of Mm -hmm. maybe it'd be better to travel a bit more, have, you know, my weekends to myself, spend time with my wife, whatever it would be like that. (laughs) Would you say then if that they, if they make the decision to move to a, a smaller firm or a, a kind of a calmer working environment that would be a less ambitious decision or or would you say well they've just reframed their ambition you know like how do you define yeah. the ambition there because the well, ambition might be the travel thing right uh yeah of course yeah I, I suppose one could be ambitious to travel uh to give up worldly possessions and travel 200 countries or whatever mm-hmm. um you know that that's possible i suppose it's one of those things where the more elastic you make a definition of something like ambition, it can become a catch-all for anything you want is ambitious. Uh, but you know, but, it, but what is it though? Are you are you defining it then as as a career? No, no I don't. I don't think it is just um, you know career success or, or money or something like that. I I think there is an you know I think there is an expansive definition like one one could have one's ambitions might include. Uh, having, I also want a big family and yeah. you know, these things, you know, whatever, whatever it'll be as well, these kind of leisure time and etc. So I guess it, it might just be a vision for mm. something you want to have that you don't currently, yeah. uh, something you want to achieve. But yeah, like, I, I guess, I guess it just inherent with it. People see there's got, there's some kind of not stretching of your abilities, but some kind of aspiration in it, I guess. But, um yeah yeah no so i I suppose that's right you can include other things but it's one of those it's strange because some people would say oh you're giving up your ambition yeah exactly i mean that's it that's the dilemma right it's uh, the person who's in the position to give him that you know very exclusive role might say oh you know are you not up for it or you you've taken a step back but yeah well in in you could see it from a very different angle right and say well i I want my free time or, you know, there's yeah. a completely different way to frame it. I think it's like the relativity of ambition is kind of really important as well. It's like, obviously it's within what, what is within the bounds of possibility for your life and the trajectory you're on at the point in which you crystallize an ambition. Right. Well, yeah. And that's the narrow definition is what causes it to be seen as a negative trait because then mm. it is, if someone's too ambitious what you're really saying is they've put that pursuit of success and material power or whatever it is over things that should have equal priority. Mm. Um, right. Oh, you've, you're, you know, I guess classic stories, right? Like uh, citizen Kane is like a classic story of someone whose ambition overclouds the reason they started in the first place and sort of becomes a sort of just, excessive power corrupts absolutely and you become like the lonely old man in the mansion mm. or say yeah he was very ambitious and sort of squandered his life with he had a great ride though he had a living ride. in the moment he certainly had a um, time of it 
so um so i think that's where the the moral character of ambition it gets colored as negative when it's seen as being that narrow thing but yeah the healthier thing is probably what you're saying which is to see a much more rounded idea of what it means to be an ambitious person i think that probably is the problem right the societal mm. problem is probably that too many people are just judging themselves on this very thin metric of i'm successful i'm ambitious because i'm ambitious because i moved to palo alto and want to do a billion dollar startup yeah. it's like you know it just becomes these these kind of herd mentality of my peers are doing this or my peers aspire to this. So if I do it, it's going to mean I'm a worth that person. example, right? I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, that bad blood documentary, the Theranos startup. And you know, that's just like the sort of ambition driven insane with kind of no respect for the consequences in exactly that world. Right. And, um, a very harmful process that that right. was. Yeah. And, and like you might have a, a very scaled back version of goals that leads to a much more healthy existence, right? You might say, well, I want to start a business so that I can sort of just maybe earn this amount to keep myself comfortable and pursue all these other Mm. interesting passions, spend time with my family. And that might be like, yeah, you're not trying to start the next Facebook, but you're like trying to build a life that is one that fills you with like passion and joy on a daily basis. And that's probably a much more, you know, healthy way to think well, about it. Yeah, like you said, obviously, earlier, you said like you get one life, right? And if you can kind of maximize the best of the time that you have, that's probably the, I don't know, the best distillation of what ambition can be, I suppose. Because if it's just, well, having loads of zeros in your bank account because you're working, you know, 150 hours a week, it becomes a little bit like a self-sabotaging success. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, but if that's the thing that gives you personally a kick, then I suppose it's it's also good in of itself. But um, yeah, measuring how how you can define what that how that ambition pays out, I think is really interesting. Yeah, um, and as you know, yeah, there's this fact though, right, that lots of great things have been made by people who were like almost unhealthily obsessively driven in certain ways. And that's kind of a, a, I don't know, that's that's kind of just a a bit of an uncomfortable fact about. Definitely. But that's, I think that's where like names like Napoleon or whatever is, what can, you know, not the average person, but just like someone who isn't in that, you know, the Henry Ford specific stratosphere of sort of sociopathic driven, uh, there's always going to be these like wild outliers, right? That doesn't really have a bearing on what your daily life is going to be. Or are you trying to see what lessons can be drawn from people like that, if if any? Uh, I think what I am interested in is looking at those people and saying, on net, was the ambition worth it? And mm-hmm. did it, you know, for, for many, as we were saying, many parables and tragedies and stories are sort of written by saying, well, by the end of it, often these things may not have been worth it. And for like, you know, the, the poem by Percy Shelley, Ozymandias is the whole thing that Ozymandias has, was this King of Kings and had this uh, monument in the desert that this traveler stumbles across. And of course the whole point of the poem is that, look, this monument now that was terrifying and uh, powerful back in Ozymandias's day is now just sort of dust in the desert and is some, old monument that means yeah I, I don't and, know if i agree with that, that though <laughs> like because <laughs> okay. no, he, he had a great I, I guess, he had a great time of it yeah i guess it's saying that these things though that you if you make this like i'm going to make my dent in history and you know alexander the great i'm going to conquer all worlds and then it's like it's all gone in several generations it, it, if you go on a grander scale it's what did all of that amount to and maybe you changed the, maybe we're still feeling the world is the world is probably different now because Napoleon was in it and did yeah. certain things. But you know, you do go well. I don't know to what. But I suppose it, it things, just depends it, if the ends were positive or negative. Some people, right, achieved enormous power and success and things, and probably messed up. Probably did, had a negative effect on the world through through having 
like achieve their ambitions right so i i, I get that but i think um, the people who who have a kind of a more tan, i don't know henry ford super driven everyone's driving cars now so whether he had a yeah yeah you know, that, so like when there's a tangible outcome for someone who just applies their ambition in a certain furrow the world will always be <laughs> better or for worse in in that direction whereas I'm going to go and have a big war with people 3000 years ago when there's, you know, very limited like written history and stuff. It's that's kind of a different I don't know, I I can't learn a lesson from Alexander yeah. the Great, I don't think. Well, yeah, okay, that's fair. But I think even on a smaller level that I I am very interested in, you know, there's an obsession nowadays, right? More people talk about work-life balance than ever. And I've seen this debate go on on Twitter actually where certain people in that sort of Silicon Valley startup world and some some people have kind of said, well, okay, more people talk about work-life balance than any a lot's now, great. But some people go, well, if you want the hard truth, if you want to, you know, make the next big startup and do something really fantastic, sorry, but there's no such thing as work-life balance. Like you're going to have to be a hyper-driven, obsessive person. And that's just a fact. And you're kidding yourself if you if you think otherwise. And 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 so what I'm interested in is basically the trade-off there between that level of ambition and say achieving on a high scale, but say you get to 70 or 80, are you do you look back then and go, well, I, I probably spent too much time on that or too much energy well, you mean Maybe if I it was successful yeah you you may still even be successful and think that i should have just been more focused on the have more time for the people i love or have more you know done done more other things and it's probably I, I think self-fulfilling that, though right like someone who's going to take a like make a kind of unicorn startup is some they're like a sort of super go-getter outgoing personality type they're never going to go, oh, I wish I, I spent more time playing the piano and reading comics. It's just That's not, that, that, not going to happen, probably. is it? But there's such a narrow subset. What is there in the world? A hundred people like that? No, but you could even just be a in your work, you could dedicate a lot of time to it and still have kind of anxieties about whether you're too... Well, no, this is it. So that example I said there of like the person making the decision between you know if you can get your ambition if you can know the kind of value cost reward you know oh i wish actually i spent more time with my family in hindsight if you're aware of that in advance you can kind of frame an ambition to have the best of both things you know rather than oh i'm going to work every hour of every day and make millions of pounds and then realize oh but i just sat in my office and never saw my wife yeah you know you should should see that coming almost like that's better better appropriated ambition i would say if you can sort of see what the learn from the learn from the people that have been through it and see that their see what their regrets are i suppose in hindsight and apply it so that everything across your life is um if we're talking about ambition just scaling up to a level that you aren't currently at if you can take all the elements of your life and do that with it by balancing balancing it across your time that's probably the most efficient use of it maybe yeah well when once people get to a certain age and i look at them i do tend to i think i obviously admire if people have done something impressive but i i think if i look at like a whole holistic life well lived that that person usually has some semblance of balance where they have a family that really loves them Mm. and like like Warren Buffett, right? Like talks about how, like when you get to a certain age, he sort of defines successful as being at like a 70 and still having the people you want to love you, love you. And like, he, he seems to like, he seems to spend a lot of time with his family and things like that. And obviously Warren Buffett's very, very successful individual, but it's like, you look at that and go, well, well, he's got some, he's, got it more right there than someone who is like the isolated workaholic successful and you get people who are not we're not talking buffett level success but you can even just get like you know a parent who is you know sort of successful at their job but you think they've got absolutely no balance and they just live to work and they don't have any uh you know they have no sense of balance of the values in their life so i think yeah more and more i think ambition ambition directed to the things you actually value 
I think is is the key. And I think you have to be very, very sort of rigorously honest with yourself about why you're pursuing certain things. Because I, I think, like I'm saying with myself, when I was younger, if I interrogate that person now, that person was seeking a lot more of just state status-based markers of success mm. and looking for approval and looking for like, you know, at one point I remember I applied to a bunch of investment banking jobs, even though I wasn't that interested. Ironically, I'm much more interested in investment now, but at the time I wasn't very interested in it. And I was applying to these jobs purely because there was some kind of sense that all the successful people I know from school uh, now work in uh, JP Morgan and places like this. And if I do that, that will give me, and that will give me something and, and people will approve. And it was just based on sort of nothing really. It was not, yeah, it's it was not, it's not anything internal. It was nothing internal to me. It was just based purely on all these external, yeah, it's but external on the outside, right. he's ambitious. He's doing blah, 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 but there's no real positive to that. You know, it's not a wholly positive thing. Yeah, sure. For sure. Um, um yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> something i read i was sort of trawling through the comments of various youtube videos and this was a comment that like a kind of motivational sort of very driven ambitious person had said and i don't know if this is something you've come across in the kind of world that you work in and stuff but it's the idea that if you if you're ambitious and you have a goal rather like my understanding or kind of assumption would be that well telling other people about it is a good way to keep you accountable right like oh i want to achieve this and if people know about it i'm kind of obligated to follow through or i'll look like a failure um but this guy was very critical of that idea critical of the idea of even sharing ambitions with other people because it's a kind of shorthand way of just getting indulged and being kind of reinforced you know if you say oh i'm i'm gonna write my book this year people yeah, are like, oh, that's yeah. amazing well done that's brilliant what a great ambition and it kind of builds you up you've not done anything yeah and it's like and i completely understand where he's coming from I, I, I saw that as quite an eye-opening thing but i also do put a lot of stock in the value of accountability with at least with the right people so i don't what's your take on that within uh, the prism of ambition yeah, I've gone back and forth on that one a lot. And I have read that advice you you just mentioned about not speaking about the things you're doing. I I think you I, I think it's better to speak less about it than I think most people defer to speaking too much about their goals and ambitions. Because yeah. I think like you say, it's very seductive. It makes you feel like you're doing things even when you're not. Talking about your book is easier than writing it. And talking about starting a business might sound, make you sound cool, even if you haven't done anything. So I think you should defer to speaking less about it. I, I get the thing with you where it's like you want the threat of humiliation sometimes. If you don't do it, yeah. it's embarrassing. And sometimes it's like, if you say you're going to go and lose 30 pounds, it's easier to make a bit of a public commitment to it. But I, I defer now to not, to not speaking as much about those things because I think it 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 creates too much pressure to my, in my mind. It makes me think about you know sometimes the plan changes and you want to tweak things and that, and then you feel bound to something you said two months ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. I don't. I like. I don't like suddenly having to be bound to what something I said two months ago, even if the plan's different now. Yeah, and circumstances have changed. Um, oh so yeah, I would probably speak less about those things. I think I think it's better to me and a uh, me and my friend Michael did a thing where we I think we've spoken before about where we traded short stories back and forth, and that was very very useful because just me and him had that commitment together, and no one else was involved in it but we would every two weeks have to send each other a short story. And we said, we're going to produce X amount this, this year. So let's do that together. And the threat was just, we're going to show up the other person. If, you know, if someone's done the story and someone hasn't, it kind of messes up the whole thing. It's embarrassing. Yeah, for sure. I think think, think having less, yeah, accountability group or people, but 
you don't want to go around at parties and be saying, oh, I'm writing my book and it's going to be great because you... No, definitely. But that, and that really ties in with what we said at the start, which came about from us not having defined our question really, but that thing of ambition is bad when people are just brazenly sharing and ramming it down people's throats, right? It's when it, it's just sort of uninhibited um, strive like public striving is just particularly to the british sensibility not super well received but and yeah and that and i think this that thing of telling some telling people you're doing something positive but actually kind of just really indulging in the response that you know something like oh i'm going to write a book this year not many people do that so there's that oh aren't you brave oh i wish i could do that but you're better off you know going guys this is the book i wrote rather than this is what I'm going to yeah. do. It's, it's kind and, of that falls in that horrible middle ground of self-indulgent with ambition about a thing that other people aren't super competitive over. And it's just, it's very, yeah, very self-indulgent. Yeah. And it's much nicer to like actually be talking about the thing you're doing. You know, if you've actually started the company and are having your first couple of months of struggle, whatever, it's much more interesting to talk about being in the thick of it, even if it's difficult than, I just don't like wasting energy anymore and speculating about something that mm. you might do that will never happen. Like, oh, yeah. maybe not this company. It's just, it just kind of feels like well, it's sort of a waste of energy unless you've already tried something towards it. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, the other thing, just one, uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up is the the thought, the fact. This is just a confession on my part, but one thing I found that was a negative of ambition was just obsessive comparison. Yes, and something I, uh, I'm sure many people have done is, you know, one thing I used to do when I, cause I wonder like, um, you know, like write a novel in my twenties and sort of had some romantic idea of it. And turned out I just had a lot more to learn about writing before I thought about that. But, you know, just looking at people who wrote things really young and obsessively looking at that person published a, a, a best-selling novel when they were 25 and now I'm 26. Oh, I'm such a loser. How did I like, you know, how come I haven't done that yet? What have they done? Got that I haven't. Uh, that person directed a movie when they were 28. And just having this sort of going on Wikipedia and looking at people with different levels of success and obsessively benchmarking yourself. And I found that, I, I guess that's just comparison, but I think it's also linked to ambition where it can it's not running, it's just running a race with someone else who's lived completely different circumstances. Yeah, you're not, you've created the race, haven't you? It's like you've created these artificial constructs. You don't go, oh, Philip Roth wrote his best stuff, you know, in his mid-60s, so I've got 40 years. You don't think like that. You always, you do always apply the the most negative um, position you can take, which is, and and gets Like even like, you know, that's something I'm very happy to have ironed out my character is being threatened by success of anyone around me. That, that isn't something that dogs me. Uh, whereas I think when you're younger, you are, con- you are a lot more susceptible to feeling either envy or, or threatened or scared when other people are doing too well compared to yourself. But, um, but yeah, just having that, yeah, having that thing of benchmarking yourself against other people and, it's just like, I know it's a, it's like a cliche to come back to, but you do have to just, you do just have to pat yourself on the back for the things you're doing better than you did yesterday or like a yeah. year ago. Like, you know, if you get into a really good routine and you're, you know, actually making progress, you're making a bit more money, you're, you're writing more, whatever your thing is, like you've got to give yourself the kudos for the steps you've taken that you weren't taking before. Cause it's like, well, you know, I'm on the path now and now I can actually refine it. But yeah, I, I, so I think, I think those parts of ambition and, and we, we've talked about this in our social media stuff, the whole comparison thing, but I, I think that leads people, it sends your value system. So if your value system is like a compass, it sends your compass spinning when you start getting obsessed with stupid things, like how many followers someone has, how well known they are, they just got this deal. They just are on this TV show. Like all that stuff is all, it's all crap. But you, if your metric goes the wrong way, if you start focusing on the wrong values, then you get sucked into all this sort of dirty ambition of just trying to, I don't know, 
out clout someone on social media or something yeah um, for sure i think I, it just comes down to it's like too too much of anything or just like you, the icarus example right like he flew too close to the sun it sort of suggests he should be like trending towards the sun but just <laughs> yeah exactly. you know, don't go too close like that's it it's sort of with moderate well applied ambition where you're not overly comparative or competitive and those things it, i think it, it is still... innately quite a good trait i think going too far with it obviously brings it down to this kind of braggy limiting thing it was still a good thing that icarus grew wings and flew out of yeah the that's great i mean that's so, brilliant. yeah so in some ways you got you got to take the right moral from that didn't he make <laughs> he makes them doesn't he he doesn't grow uh, he, he makes them with wax them, right? yeah that... right so that's yeah. ambitious in of itself. I'm going to make wings. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, Steve, I yeah. pulled I pulled a couple of books, a couple of books out that are kind of related to this theme. If that wets your whistle, uh, yeah, please. Uh, I don't think they're ones I've talked about before, so I'm going to going to pull out some fresh ones, Steve. The first one is a book called Intuition by Allegra Goodman and I thought it was related to the topic of ambition because it is set in a research lab uh, associated with Harvard in the late 80s and it's about a group of cancer researchers and one of them after years and years of toiling away as a kind of underappreciated researcher suddenly makes these amazing clinical breakthroughs and um, pursues them and then there's it's a bit like the film Doubt set in the world of scientific research. It's, oh, God, was he was he actually tampering with his results or not? Is it kind of hubris that's making this happen or not? And I thought it was a really – it wasn't the best book I've ever read, but it was definitely an interesting dig into the world of people who are already super high-level achievers, like PhDs in oncology – then not actually finding that very fulfilling or feeling a bit downtrodden and not having much kind of acceptance in the wider world and then feeling a need within that world to kind of push their ambitions to this kind of nastier level. Um, it's definitely definitely worth digging out. It's kind of a breezy read and it's set in quite a fun, interesting world. But mm. there's definitely that, that kind of the nastier side of ambition comes through as a result of a lack of appreciation kind of thing. Interesting. Um, yeah, worth so pursuing. You- it's the opposite of Ghostbusters, where the unappreciated PhDs start a very ambitious, great business, busting <laughs> ghosts. And they so get a lot more appreciation for it. Yeah, that didn't that didn't come to mind when I was reading it, but I like I like what you've done. Um, <laughs> another one is a very short, breezy, entertaining novel uh, called *The Old Boys* by William Trevor, and it's if you like Evelyn War, that kind of stuff, it's great. I think it's his first novel. It was written in the late 60s, and it is about uh, a group of old boys from a private school in England who want to become the chairs of the school's alumni association, and they're not allowed to join it until they've they've been out of the school for 50 years. So it's just like this ambition that they have from when they were 18 through to when they were 80 or however old, um, and they're competing and and they're very competitive about this kind of stupid inane title that doesn't mean anything. One's a judge and one's like a big barrister and they've achieved and they've had ambitious lives, but this is really the thing that's driving them and the petty rivalries that come with it. And that, you know, looking over the garden fence and the comparison thing really does come through, but it's just a very funny novel. I think it's one of the last novels that Evelyn Moore reviewed and enjoyed very much, but um, Mm. worth digging out for sure. And what's the name of that again? The Old Boys by William Trevor. Very nice. Um, I'll, I'll say one we've said on the show before, but uh, a book that, that gets maligned for the wrong reasons um, would be The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Mm. Um, Ayn Rand. Um, bit of a meaty one. It's not breezy, short read. Uh, mm. Several, uh, Probably about 800 pages. But it's actually an interesting thing we're talking about where you're contrary to sort of Rand's uh, reputation, which might be somewhat earned, but in, in that book, she actually is often scolding the characters who chase prestige and social, you know, external validation and acceptance. And in that book, she's almost glorifying Howard Warlock, who 
pursues, even when he's not getting materially rewarded for it, he pursues his own, you know, he is the archetypal um, sort of pursuing his own, he's an architect, he's like a brilliant architect trying to pursue what's new, trying to make something new and better and interesting that lots of people don't get or understand. And he sort of relentlessly pursues it and won't compromise even when in the name of sort of material ambition, he's sort of rigorously uncompromising mm. and pursues his own vision more. And um, yeah, it's an interesting look at the contrast between those uh, philosophies, but um, very good. I have, um, you got to follow your bliss as Joseph Campbell says, George, it's good advice. Uh, a guy who certainly did. And I, I don't know if you've read this as well, but this is nonfiction. And I would say from, a, a captain of modern industry it's shoe dog by phil knight the guy who founded nike nike mm. um it's just like a really great story about a guy who's built you know had had big dreams and pursued them and achieved them and also is aligned in the worlds of you know sporting ambition and and these kind of other things but it's just a great story about building a very successful empire through a really interesting period of history definitely worth checking out very inspiring um he seems to have had a great balance in the ambition in his life with his family and those things as well um that's very good i'll, gi I'll give you one more non-fiction um uh you know since we talked about startups and things like that but um uh i'll champion the non-fiction book zero to one by peter teal um uh, notes on startups and how to build the future. But I think that's an interesting book because although it's quite provocative in the way that Peter Thiel can be, uh, and he's something of a contrarian, but, you know, he talks about the thing of, you know, you, you want to start, you know, if you, if you want to start companies or things like that, you, you should really start with solving, solving big or interesting problems and, kind of looking at the difference between people who chase competition and why you don't really want to just chase competition and you actually want to look at, you know, the interesting things that no one else is doing or the things that align with your skills and values that the world really needs. And that's where the fascinating new interesting things are to be built. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting book to read if you aspire to that kind of success. Um, Very good. Solving problems is what it's all about, George. Hmm. Not just money and girls like you're always chasing. <laughs> oh. uh, do you think Elizabeth sees you as an ambitious man? At, at this precise moment? Sat in my um, pants doing a podcast with my old mate? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> is she go, oh God, what, a, what an aspirational sexy ambitious man i've got come on don't i'm doing all right no you're, i'm loving him <laughs> mate. um i do i do try i i got again let's let's go to confessions but you know when i when i have been on dates and things i have found myself and it's a, a habit i've tried to iron out but i have found myself just deferring to trying to either make myself sound more ambitious or deferring to sort of achievements and trying to, I'm sure it's a common thing, but I've noticed myself, not lately, uh, haven't been on many dates lately, truth be told, George, mm -hmm. but in, in periods where I've been dating, I've usually like found myself subtly bragging and trying to play up like, ah, an attractive person it will be attractive if i sound really ambitious and like hi i'm steve and i'm going to be the next prime minister i'm the next big thing um yeah and and it, it's fascinating how we def like just try and send out all these quick signals to people to show like i'm the kind of guy who's thinking big i'm successful because you know, you think, well, if I sound like I'm thinking too small, it might not be very exciting. For sure. I think, but what we've been talking about, right, is like we know there's definitely an external reception to ambition. We we know that it's a means of presenting yourself, but I think if you can find that balance between, yeah, how, how it appears externally, but also how it rewards your personal interests and uh, like rewarding trigger points internally that's kind of the best balance of it if you just play the external game you'll end up down a furrow you don't want to be and if you just 
probably play the internal game, it'll be the same. It's kind of a balance between the two, I would think. Yeah, I think I, that's my challenge to anyone listening. If you're single and going on dates, I want you to examine yourself and try to go through a whole date. And unless you're asked, don't talk about any of your achievements or things you've accomplished. See, What does that leave, what does that leave you with? You're just cracking jokes. <laughs> No, because if they ask, you can say, well, I did, you know, I studied this and I own this company oh, or whatever. Oh, so but you're you allowed to, you just can't Yeah, but you can't, you can't just bring up, you can't unprompted bring up achievements. And I bet oh, okay. everyone would notice a lot about, you'd, you'd have to fill that, like, hopefully you fill it with what you're interested in, curiosity, asking about the other person. But if you try it, I think people would be surprised at how much they generally brag, even subtly. Um so that's my little challenge for the week. A week? You're not going to give much time. How many dates are you going on this week? <laughs> Tell us in the comments how that goes. Um, uh, do you want to wrap up there? Yeah, I think we probably should after that. Uh, okay. Um, I just like to throw in some personal stuff sometimes, George. You know? <laughs> Gives people something to hang on to. Um, uh, okay, if you... Um, could you please could you please follow us on <laughs> that's ambitious please please um sorry follow you can follow uh speaking generally on itunes stitcher soundcloud spotify all your favorite podcast platforms uh do follow please leave us a nice review on itunes if you enjoyed this podcast uh we appreciate it and um we've got more to come thank you so, thanks for joining us george Cheers. Bye. See you.